0: Hello, and welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives, and provides a space for you, our listener, to learn more about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor, and I am joined here with my fabulous co-host, Tara Lee Weathers.
1: Hey, everyone. How are you doing today? I'm good. (laughs) How's everyone out there? Oh, I heard them say that they're good too. (laughs) Awesome. Yay. We're all good. Yay. Um, Well, before we tell you who our amazing guest is, let's just drop in for a moment and arrive at the present moment. Please be careful if you are driving, but if you are able to do this safely, place your hands on your heart and close your eyes. And if you're driving, you could do this with your eyes open. we'll take three deep breaths together. So take a deep breath in through your nose and exhale out your mouth. Inhale, exhale, inhale, and exhale. And may you be present so you could absorb every word of our super inspiring guest today. And so it is. And so it is. So today we are joined by Mr. Benji Eason, and he is a New York Times bestseller, head writer at Undermind, which is also an Osiris podcast, and artist manager at Billy and the Kids, Reed Mathis, DJ Williams, and more. He is a man of many hats who also wears really cool hats.
0: <laughs> it's true, he
1: does. <laughs> So, uh, this conversation was such a juicy and inspiring one because he shares so many like really cool personal stories about how he went from somebody starting out as a music lover that wanted to just like nerd out on <laughs> kind of music stuff to where he is to now he just co-wrote a book with Billy Kreitzman called the deal and um he talks even about how that came to be, and it's such a cool story.
0: It really is. Yes, he is full of really cool stories. He reminds me a lot of Jay Blakesburg. Like, yeah, I
1: was going <laughs> to say that too.
0: <laughs> yeah, which we also had on the podcast a while back. Yeah, it was so awesome to be able to listen to Benji. I we live in the same area, but I I I don't think we've ever been in contact before, not that I know of. So I'm glad that we're connected now, and uh, we have even more in common than. I originally thought being both live music lovers, but we also went and saw the first, like our first concert was the same. So that was super cool. <laughs>
1: but uh, yeah. when We were like eight years old. I think you might've been 11 or something. <laughs> yeah. And you'll have to keep on listening to find out what that concert is. Cause it's a good one.
0: Yeah. I'm curious what you might be thinking. Who did Benji
1: and I see (laughs) as our first concert? (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) I mean, if that's not reason enough to listen to the rest of the episode, (laughs) I don't know what is.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And not together. I actually don't think we're at the the same show, but it was the same tour. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. That's
1: super exciting.
0: Yeah. And Benji is just like so inspiring as somebody who really followed his passions and his heart and just like what an amazing life he now leads because of that
1: yeah there's um it's an improvisational acting there's an activity where that they do called yes and Mm -hmm. and so someone might say something that's like so crazy and you're like yes and and you kind of add on to it and I feel like he lives the yes and lifestyle which Mm -hmm. is like I try to do that, but I feel like I do a pretty good job at it, but he like freaking kicks ass at it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: He's a master of it.
1: Yeah, he is. So I think we should get to it, right?
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, we are a part of the Osiris Podcast Network, and we will be right back with Benji. And we're back and we've got Benji here with us. I'm so excited about this conversation because I think that you are like the most interesting man in the whole music scene.
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh, That's a a tough, uh, something to to follow, a tough act for me to follow. (laughs) <laughs> <I'm judging. laughs> uh, I well, find myself to be quite not interesting, but that's you know. But uh, the world is interesting. That's the thing is that every here, you know, I've discovered this during the pandemic, and, and it's that everything is not only interesting but fascinating. And every place I, it, it, this was. Uh, sorry to jump right in, but this is just been on my Go mind. Yeah, dive in. And that's that. You know, I was taking a walk. And I was uh, during the height of the pandemic and uh, in an area that I hadn't been really before, you know, this nature walk. And I'm looking at it all, you know, at, at everything and it was all coming alive because I had been holed up in, in, in my room for, you know, for weeks at that point, And it was, uh, you know, getting out and seeing everything. And I started thinking every single thing that we see, whether it's even concrete, like, you know, or building a street lamp trash can every single thing that we see has been interesting enough to somebody to study that for their entire life or or to dedicate their entire life to it from trees and 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 and, and insets to you know literally everything that you see is worthy of a whole lifetime of study that's amazing
0: that is amazing i've never actually thought about that
1: i know i know that like gave me goosebumps all over i don't know i never i'm gonna look at the world differently now
2: well, and I think you only see what you already know, right? So like that, I, and I, th- I think that's what got me thinking about it was I was looking at these uh, trees that I, I, I knew they were oak trees, but I was just aware that I was so little. My awareness was so small compared to, compared to the subject. And then I started seeing uh, this particular type of oak everywhere. And I'm like, oh yeah, I see that every day in my life, <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. but you don't, you know, your eyes aren't open to things until you see them.
1: Yeah, actually, that's really interesting because when we had RJB or we were on his podcast, I think, right, the Helping Friendly Pod. And we talked about the like setting intention and being super like doing stuff to be present when you're at a show so it can be an even more powerful experience. And he was like, I mean, he's been to probably hundreds of thousands of shows and he was like, I never once like thought of that. (laughs) <laughs> to add something to do he's like i just go to the show and let it happen to me i never thought about any of that before so i thought that was really interesting so it kind of is like you know you looked at that tree every single day but you weren't like wow there's like so much i can learn about that tree if i want it to
2: yeah exactly yeah everything is interesting
1: yeah well it sounds like your life
0: has been very interesting benji so I'd love, because I'm super curious to know like how you got started in the music business because you've done, you've worn all kinds of hats.
2: I, I have, and I continue to, and it was all one big giant, gigantic accident. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, it was, uh, it was, there was, you know, the, the a phrase that you both would be, you know, very familiar with the surrender to the flow idea. Mm-hmm. There, there was a huge element of that. Um, but uh, not it, it wasn't an unexpected flow. Like in, in terms of, I I knew you know my growing up. I think my my uh, strength was always writing, and it, that was reinforced by teachers telling me that my feedback. It was reinforced by feedback, mm-hmm. and so therefore it was something that I you know that uh, and I, that I kind of just focused on and assumed that I I just kind of assumed that I would end up writing, but I didn't have a specific uh I didn't have a I I figured I'd write books I thought maybe I'd write movies you know I had that in my mind but I didn't really have a specific path for it I didn't have a five-year plan or a 10-year plan or anything like that I'm in college I'm studying English but I uh music was my passion you know and what I guess I got into music around I haven't thought about this for a long time but around the age of 12 and uh Suddenly, it consumed me, and a, and a part of that uh, consumed almost that almost has a negative connotation. connotation but I mean, it, it you know enlivened me. But mm-hmm. it, was, it was suddenly all I wanted to. Uh, I was all it infiltrated every aspect of my life. It was like in school, uh, even stuff we were learning. It was like, how does this apply to music? <laughs> and just everything. And I think a part of that was that you know, growing up, my parents didn't. I mean, we we they weren't really into uh rock and roll. They they weren't opposed to it by any means. But they just uh, weren't huge music fans. We had classical music playing. We had a lot of show tunes playing. Um, and we had some early Beatles, you know, and uh, a lot of John Denver and Barry Manilow and stuff like that. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge part of, of, of our lives. And so then when I discovered, I think it was Bon Jovi.
0: <laughs> that was my first concert. Ah, <laughs>
2: totally listening. Well. Yeah, I that's I so go. cool. Uh, I, I begged my mom, I couldn't believe that this band of, oh, well, first of all, music didn't make any sense to me because I, I remember, uh, the first time I saw a live band playing, it might've been summer camp, but it was probably, you know, some of the older kids playing. And I, my thought, I remembered so vividly, my thought was how do they sound like the radio mm-hmm. <laughs> like They sound like the voices <laughs> that come out of the radio? Like how, I, it, the live music thing didn't make any sense to my brain. And, uh, and then. I I I I got really into Bon Jovi and through MTV. And uh, you know, because I, I I think I think what it is now looking back on it, I think some kids were talking about like maybe thriller or some music video, and I wasn't keyed into any of it and I wanted to like I wanted to know what they were talking about so I can participate. So I went home, I turned on MTV, and somewhere or other Bon Jovi was the one that just, you know, came out of it. It was like you give love a bad name and living on a prayer, the whole slippery one wet mm-hmm. tour. Yeah. And uh, maybe I was 11 then, because I was like, I want to say that was 1986, 87. So 11 or 12. But uh, yeah, 87 was when the tour came to Hershey Park Stadium and I begged my mom to take me. And so she did. She read a book the entire time. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't let me go in the field because she said I would definitely be trampled to death. (laughs) <laughs> so seats, very dangerous very, very very dangerous but uh but obviously changed my life you know changed my life mm. or or altered my life rather yeah changed um so then where were we so then from there i guess the the music thing right so then uh, then the next thing for me after music was the first market but then the, and then there was grateful dad also veered me off in a new direction but then discovering fish. Uh, when it had the same effect that that music discovering music first had and that all of a sudden it was a a discovery within the discovery and it was this world that I just uh I, there was a period of my life uh, almost uh, in an embarrassing way uh where I literally couldn't talk about anything else it'd be like I'd remember being at the dinner table and like being like, my parents mean like, can we talk about something else? I'm like, do you know that fish comes from great families? And like, <laughs> and like, they're all functional families and this and that. And, you know, like, I, 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 it was just, it, it, I got on the internet to learn more about fish. I mean, there, there was, that was uh, 1990. Uh, it was the end of 1993, but really in the, in the spring of 1994. And so I remember having to go down to the computer lab at college mm-hmm. and, and really learning about the internet specifically so I could learn more about fish. And through that, I got on this news group. And so uh, uh, it predated message boards. So it was this, you know, uh, rec music fish. It was a Usenet uh, news group where it was in digest form. And I would go down there every, every few hours, you know, in between classes I would go and I'd want to learn everything about fish. and, And I would, once I had a little bit of a base, I would interact and I would get on there and I'd write things and, and, and then uh, eventually started really becoming an active participant in that community. And in doing so, uh, started writing uh st- like so I started I started writing reviews of the shows that I went to. And the reason for that uh, was less about me writing the review and more about the time it was information sharing because it was before. We had access to. We couldn't stream the shows. Mm-hmm. We could, you know. And at that point, uh, I'd been used to if if you were following the Grateful Dead and you wanted to know what they played, you uh, had to buy a copy of Relics Magazine, you know, a, and and look to see what they played months earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the reviews on and using it, which would all, all college kids my age doing it, so that we could each. And then the review was there to not only say what they played, but do you want to get the tape? Do you want to do because you had to put in an effort to mm-hmm. get it. Um, and in doing that, uh, then I, I, and I got a copy of one of their albums before it was released through a, a friend of mine who just knew what a, how crazy I was about this band. And I reviewed that online track by track. And from there, Tom Marshall, their lyricist, I wonder if he remembers this now that I work with him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but he reached out to me and he said, hey, I like your review, by the way, I wrote the lyrics. Hmm. And, ah. and, and we started a little correspondence. But then somebody else uh, reached out to me. This would have been in 1996. So for me, two two years really into, into this complete passion, deep dive, uh, somebody reached out to me and said, um, I don't know if you're planning on going to see the uh, fish at Hershey Park Stadium, but if you are, I'd like to offer you, I think it was like 75 or $80 and a free ticket to review it for the, the, his newspaper, which was the Press Republican in upstate New York, uh, in advance of the band doing the Clifford Ball up there. And so that was my first writing gig and my first gig at, at all in music. And I thought, I c- I can do this. Mm. I can really <laughs> yeah. a free ticket? and then I was gonna go home <laughs> and write about it anyway for these dorks online. <laughs> I can do it for the, for the general dorks of the of, of, of anywhere, you know. So so that that. that veered me off and then from there or simultaneously with that i should say concurrently with that was the music industry stuff which i i still lead these you know as you said multiple hats the -hmm. music industry stuff was was less that was me hanging around from the time i was 13 14 trying to convince musicians to let me in the side door (laughs) so i could see their band play at these bars when they're over 21 and uh which happened successfully i mean I, i befriended a number even I mean bands like God Street Wine and things like that. When I this is yeah. I'd be a little bit older, but I was like, you know, I was 15 getting into 18 plus venues by having the bands, you know, uh by showing up at 2 p.m. until when they loaded in and, <laughs> and convincing them to let me help out carrying things or doing whatever so that in exchange I could I could just see them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh and then from there it kind of just, you know, they there were I, I would help local promoters uh, when I was a teenager because I wanted specific bands to come to the market. So I would go, there's a guy named John Harris and Harrisburg who really helped me out a lot and showing me the ropes, but I I would just wanted bands to, to come and play. And then with the bands, like the disco biscuits and bands like that early on, I, this is jumping ahead of a few years, but you know, now, now we're in the college years and I would, you know, reach out and street team for the bands and say, Hey, look, you know, I'll, I, I want you to, pl- to play here. I want it to be good. I want to help. I want to do what I can.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and it was all just sort of w- part of one big hole to me. You know, uh, I think maybe that philosophy is why I don't have one specific job title because it's all interrelated and, and it's all, it's all, it's all interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all fun to do. Most of it's fun to do. Not all. Of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I love everything about this. It's like you were just like obsessed with live music and like the bands and wanting like you wanted bands to come play. You wanted to just kind of recap and be a historian for the show. And then all of a sudden all these opportunities came to you, which makes sense because you were like diehard about it. And also because you had no like you weren't thinking like, I'm doing this because I want this to be X, Y, and Z. You were just like, I'm doing this and taking action and throwing it into the universe. And then all these amazing things fell into your lap because of all the hard work you
2: were doing. Well, yes, yes. And, uh, there was, there was never a five-year plan. There was never even, there was very rarely even a one-year plan. It was, uh, it was, and, and, you know, writing him, I think up until a certain point, uh, in 2000 and around 2012 to 2015, up until that point, my main career wise i mean i still i had uh, i mean going back earlier before i was really writing a lot i, I was doing i i i was helping pr- to promote and and produce events and things like that but then for a long period of time me, uh, the writing was my main focus and that I, I never wanted to write about music i wanted to write though and i wanted music to be you know and so th- those two just kind of came together and, and there's always this irony because there's a quote that nobody's ever quite sure who said it. Um, it gets misattributed a lot, but writing about music is like dancing to architecture. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people say Kurt Vonnegut said it. Some people say Frank Zappa said it, and I could never find proof of either, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. The quote is writing about music is like dancing to architecture. And I believe that to be true. You know, I, I think somebody, there was a show that I was at that I was reviewing for Rolling Stone uh, you know, years after the the time period we're talking about, and someone came up to me and asked me if it was any good, the show that they were that they were at. They're like, is this any good? And I'm like, you tell me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I I have no idea. You know? I mean, I'm just trying to figure it out for myself. Right? <laughs> right. You know? Um, but uh, and then I wrote about it. And then his point was, you know, that, that I I I not his point, but I guess that what the impetus of that was that I then I wrote about it with some fake authority you know like Mm -hmm. but all all writing about music is is just one you know one person try one person's opinion and suddenly it's in wikipedia as a fact or something like that
3: Mm
2: -hmm. um you know cited or and stuff like that but but it's important not to lose sight of that and and in this day and age if you want to hear an album rather than read an album review you know like there's a time in which i read album reviews because i was thinking about buying the album. But mm-hmm. now, you know, uh, now I can just Spotify it and, and give it a chance for myself. And if I don't like it, you know, I didn't lose anything other than a few minutes of my time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's like when people see the set list and they're like, oh, that was the worst show. But they weren't at the show. They're just basing it on the set list. And then the people that were at the show were like, oh, my God, that was the best show ever.
2: Totally right. Totally right. <laughs> I, I, I often think that some of these bands should say that should uh, play the same set list. <laughs> you know like for, for a while just because fans would go crazy but 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 like in a bad way fans would go crazy mm-hmm. but but the no not all fans not the, the real fans that are listening mm-hmm. but the, the people that you're talking about that are saying oh they you know they just played the same show three n- nights in a row and it's like yeah but if you listen to it they're three very different shows oh
1: hmm. my gosh that would be it. fish should do that yeah, no, <laughs> play no, the no, same no. set I, list three nights in a row yeah. and see how different it can be I,
2: I've I've thought about that a lot actually I want to get that message to Trey
1: <laughs> yeah if anyone could do it it's you
2: <laughs> it'd be really cool for them to do but uh but yeah but their fans would revolt
1: <laughs> <laughs> um how so I know you you wrote for Rolling Stone how did that come about
2: so with the writing thing it, it all when I said it was an accident, I really mean that in that I never, uh, with writing, I never applied for anything. Um, it all just kind of it all just kind of fell in my lap. And so there was that first offer to to write the review and for, uh, for, for fish um, for a newspaper. And then, uh, I think the next big thing to happen was Dean Budnick, who uh, at the, that point was just the guy I, tr- I traded fish tapes with he was a taper. He, he was an excellent analog, uh, taper and that he, he didn't tape on, uh, whereas ever all the tapers at the time were on this DAT deck and he was an analog taper and his tapes came out amazing. Mm -hmm. So, so we would trade tapes. And then, uh, he told me he was launching a site called jambands.com and he wanted me to write a column for them. So I started doing that. It was called the kitchen sink. Um, and, from there, then Jambase reached out to me and asked me to to start doing their their news coverage. But we, co- we called it Heads Up. Um, and then from there, I think Dupree's Diamond News, which was I, I they're no longer in publication, but they were a print magazine that was kind of complimentary to Relics. They were a deadhead focused, deadhead centric magazine. They asked me to do their fish co- uh, column, <clears throat> and from there, it kind of just snowballed until one day uh the first time rolling stone contacted me i i i blew it but it was kind of funny i didn't they asked if i could come to new york i was living in pennsylvania they asked if i could come to new york for an interview i didn't know that it was with rolling stone they were very uh, vague about it but they're just like can you you but it, it was a job offer at a time where i really could have used used the the job the job for sure but fish was doing this festival in maine (laughs) and and i and i uh then they they when i was like i don't know if i can make it because i'm going up to this music festival they they revealed that it was rolling stone and they're like you know but can you come into our office and i said well i would love to but i can't do it on monday because i'll be coming back from from maine from this festival it's like i think it was it was it must have been uh the lemon wheel or or maybe uh what was the the, was either the lemon wheel the great But I was like, I have to become, I, I was like, I have to do this. And so, as, as much as I'd love to come to your office to talk about, I, I'm out here doing the things that I'd be writing about, <laughs> and didn't get a response from them. They didn't like that. <laughs> um, and then years later, uh, it kind of evolved out of. Uh, I, I was an editor at AOL Music, and um, then when when AOL Music kind of stopped being an active music blog, and it, it was like a Spinner was a part of that they had all these different little micro music blogs. They were all part of the AOL umbrella. Um, but the staff basically migrated to Rolling Stone. Um, and so they, they you know, I was part of the the, the massive amount of layoffs there, but then they, my editor uh, in chief there said, she said, sit tight, enjoy yourself for the next few weeks and I'll be in touch. And then she was in touch and she was like, you know, uh, she's like, we want you to write for Rolling Stone. So, um yeah so that so that's it it really was kind of effortless mm-hmm. slow though a lot slower than 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 uh than i think um but for me i didn't notice how slow it was because i was enjoying every moment of, <laughs> of life
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> you were enjoying the ride
2: yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then and and then from there that's how that's how it veered back into uh the other side of music because uh, and that also was very organic it was um I, I from Rolling Stone. I interviewed Bill Kreutzmann um, from the Grateful Dead on Jam Cruise. I interviewed him for AOL Music uh, a year or two earlier, and then uh, for Jam Cruise, Rolling Stone wanted me to interview him. Um, I forget what the specific uh, the reason there was. It wasn't just Seven Waters. There was an angel, and I forget what the angel was. But I interviewed him on Jam Cruise, and uh, he said something that then became, it went viral because he said in that interview that he felt that if Jerry had lived, that he would have broken up the Grateful Dead. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was the first time anyone in the band had said anything like that. And so it went viral online. Uh, So the guys, you know, my team at Rolling Stone loved it, but but bill loved it uh and he got back to me and said that was the most uh, uh, uh the, the best the most accurate representation of me of of my personality and it was cuz i was honest
3: mm-hmm.
2: um and and uh then a few months later he was looking for somebody to write his book mm-hmm. um and i wrote him a letter i i said here's what i want to read in your book and <clears throat> a three-page letter. I don't even think I edited. It. I think I just ripped it off from the heart and, and emailed it off. But it was it was about like three pages in length, and it was it was uh, genuinely about what I wanted to read uh, in the book. And it had stuff like I remember saying it was from the heart. So I remember saying that I hoped I this is I, now I remember I remember saying that I hoped that when he writes the book that he keeps in mind that if he talks about a, a, any point of his life that he talks about. Uh, any any public part of his life uh, with The Grateful Dead, if he's talking about uh, a show at Red Rocks, that he needs to keep in mind that uh, for him, that might have just been a, co- a concert in his life, but that for somebody reading the book, maybe that's the night that they met their significant other mm-hmm. or proposed marriage to to their significant other, or maybe they went there for some catharsis because of a loss, you know, and that his music above, uh, you know, his band's music above a lot of bands music is not just music, but sacred and creates these sacred experiences Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And that I hope this book conveyed that. And then at the very end, I was like, by the way, I can help you write it if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and almost immediately he got back and said, you're the one. So, you know, that that, that, and then from there we, we spent three years together. And during that time, uh, you know, I had I had managed a band in my twenties, uh, very very small band called Quagmire Swim Team, who to this day, uh, yeah. if, if you <laughs> go on archive.org and queue up their their uh, their their stuff, relist the relisten app, mm-hmm. I think they're on there. Um, I still, I mean, they, uh, they 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 were such a, a special band to me. I, I I think that they they just made phenomenal music, but but no one really heard it outside the little little bubble, um, and you know. It was, it was, uh, you know, we all were young and then we all went, you know, like th- they were, they were a great, uh, they were ab- absolutely a great band. But then I moved out west, uh, and the band guys, as the, as the trajectory so often goes, got, got wives and kids and jobs and, and life took everyone in different directions. Um, but I, you know, but I had those experiences and I, well, I didn't think I was going to go here, but, but uh, I, before I started managing them, I, had a week of my life where I I was getting panic attacks and I went to see the doctor and they took some blood and and he thought that maybe I had leukemia. And I overheard him tell that to my mom. He didn't tell me. And we were waiting for the results. And I, and I, and I just, all it was, was I think it was just mind body, you know, connection. And I was just having a, it was a very stressful period and and all this stuff. But nonetheless, I went through about a week where I thought maybe I I have leukemia. And if not, if not, I was convinced I was going to die. And I thought, what do I want to do before I die? I want to manage a band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, like, I just want to manage a band. I just want that experience. And so I managed Quadro Swim Team almost like within weeks of of me having that thought was, wow. when, was when I saw them. And I, I knew the guitar player through seeing fish shows and stuff like that. And I went up to them after the show and I and it was like their third show that they ever played at like a a local uh restaurant. And I went up to them and I said, "You know, you guys are amazing. I, I, I have to manage you." And, and you know, uh, a few weeks later, th- then uh, you know, it, there's there are definitely conversations and things like that. But it just kind of happened. So, chat to with Bill Gratesman, we're we're talking and and uh, on a much bigger scale, uh, you know. But I had just spent three years uh, learning everything about what his management had done wrong in the past. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's three years of learning every single thing about his life. Uh, you know, knowing it more than his most of his ex wives know it because I know the full story. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and he turned to me when we were finishing the book, and he said, "I want you to manage me." And so, you know, I, I, I said, "Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I guess so." You know, but I said, "You're taking a risk."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> you know,
2: you taking a risk, uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, and it, it kind of, you know. It was, it was just one of those things where it was, it was thoughts. It was just, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it was, it was interesting in that I just, all these thoughts kind of just manifested, you know, and then same with, same with managing him. And it was like, let's put together a band, you know, and the band's just going to be great. I know, I know it is, let's put it together. I know mm-hmm. some guys and, uh, and we called it Billy and the kids and, you know, it's, it's been, it's been pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I was not at Red Rocks, but so many people have said that that's like the best show that they've seen in so long. So they, yeah, that's amazing. That,
2: that show was my was was my uh, heart and soul for for months. Make, you know, making it, and that again was all thoughts. It was just like it started off with with the with me talking to the agent about, and at the time the band didn't necessarily, not everyone in the band necessarily wanted to play. Strings had a very busy schedule. And it was just like, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, just mm-hmm. dreaming, wouldn't it be cool if, if we could bring this to Red Rocks? You know, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, if we had strings with us then? And, and, uh, yeah. And then that, wouldn't it be cool if we got Stanley Mouse through the poster? Wouldn't it be cool if <laughs> it's all these, wouldn't it be cool ifs? Mm-hmm. And, and, and most of them turned out.
1: What do you think that you do different with the, the power of your thoughts of like, oh, yeah, I wanna like manage a band? And so it just happens. I want to like write and then it happens. What do you think that you're doing differently than other people that are putting things out there?
2: I don't think I'm doing anything differently, but I don't know because I don't know uh, what other people are are, are doing. I can't speak to that. What I can speak to is what I am doing. And that's that... um, There's a confidence of in my thoughts often, but also, but that almost that almost betrays like the the way that it it is because it's not like I want to do this and I can do this no matter you know. But instead, it's 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 not like necessarily brainstorming thoughts. It's more just thoughts. It's more just me listening, you know. It's it's more me listening. It's almost like comes from the heart more than the head, and it's me just listening to these things and being tuned into them, and so then when the then when when it's presented when the when like the opportunity is actually presented I'm I'm open to it you know or I hear it or something like that and I just think that like and there's been times where I haven't there's been times when I should have and I haven't you know um but uh but there's but the, the best stuff of my life the best things that have happened to me have happened just because uh or not because of but have have been precipitated by by me having the thought of wouldn't this be cool or and and a lot of times when I say confidence it's not confidence it's sort of well what I can't what I can say and I know this this sounds whatever but it's the, it's the absolute truth and it's that when I when I heard that Billy was writing a book uh and right before I wrote him that letter I uh I just knew I was like I was like I'm gonna write that book like mm-hmm. I like I just, I just, I just knew. And then since then uh, having that experience and, and being so aware that I had that thought, I was like, I know I'm going to, I, th- this, it it was, and it wasn't even a conscious thought. It was just like, it, it felt like this is, this, this, this is going to happen. Right. And then, it, and then it did. And I've often wondered, I, you know, well, have other people had that thought of even with that, the same thing, where they like, I'm going to write Billy's book,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
2: and I don't know, but, but I also know that there's been times, Afterwards, where I wanted something, so then I told myself, "Okay, I have this thought. This is Mm -hmm. gonna," and it doesn't work like that. (laughs) Mm You know, it's it's because like then you're engineering the thought, and then that that doesn't really necessarily, you know. um, Whereas uh, you know, uh, I'll tell you in in my dating life, I've I've noticed that, and that there's uh, a, a girl that I dated for for a while. And the way that I programmed her into my phone when we met was uh, quite possible. I, I, I typed her first name, and then since I didn't know her last name, and I wanted to remember who it was, I said, quite possibly my Ned's girlfriend, mm-hmm. right? And, <laughs> and, and, then, and then she was. <laughs> you know, and I thought that was incredible. And then there's, the, and then after that, you know, we broke up, and there there are other girls that I was like, maybe I'll try this again. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> maybe I can make it happen. Yeah, doesn't work. No. Mm. Uh, it has, yeah, it doesn't is, work. You know, but maybe it's not thoughts. Maybe I mean, I do think that there is a, a power to your thought um, that we do control, and that is the idea of when you change your thoughts, you change your world. Um, and I've Mm -hmm. seen that in action and that's a different type of thought though. That's more, uh, on the opposite side of it for me, that advice, uh, which I don't know who, you know, I think there might be a book called that, or I'm sure maybe many and, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a truism. Right. But I, I was given that advice, um, in my, uh, late twenties. When I, I had talking of relationships, I had broken up with with a uh, with a girl that I loved very much, but the relationship didn't work. And I was I was really upset about it, for, you know, depressed, heartbroken, all these, all these things. And a friend of mine said, you know, she said, one, listen to more fish, which which definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Um but part of that is that, you know, you're wallowing in these in these in these emotions and which i think is okay I, I think it's fine to be heartbroken i think it's good to be heartbroken mm-hmm. you know, in turn not not to be stuck on it but but mm-hmm. there's a time for that and and morning for sure there's a time for that but when you change your thoughts about this stuff then you 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 your whole world really does change you know um and i've i've seen it in action too with even practicing mindfulness with with you're frustrated with traffic okay well you know what? This is this is a chance for me to listen to to that album in its entirety now that I wanted, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a, this is a time for me to, to be able to listen to that podcast that I've been meaning to listen to. So I'm stuck in traffic. Okay, cool, awesome. I'm just given. I'm now given this this time that I can do this with, you know. And 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 that those are such easy things, but but those are times when I've when I've seen my thoughts definitely change, if not the world around me, change my relation you ship know, to the world in a very positive way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it does sound like you're talking about two different things. Like where, whereas before it's like, like, even before you said it came from the heart, like I felt like it was coming from the heart. Mm -hmm. Like that's the sense that I was getting to. It's like, you're following your passion. You're really, you, it's coming from your heart. It's not necessarily coming from your head, even though it's a thought that pops into your head. And the other way, it's like you're working with your thoughts. You know, it's like you're trying to make something happen as opposed to it coming up. It also reminded me, and I couldn't remember, I was trying to remember who this author was, but there's a woman that was talking about how ideas are like constantly floating around and they're like, they're just available to kind of pick up on. And so there can be multiple people that can pick up on the same idea at the same time. But then it's the person who's actually going to follow through with the idea. And I thought that was really interesting there's like these little ideas that are just kind of circulating in in the universe around us. And it's like, you know, which one are we picking up on? And (laughs) (laughs) they're doing a little dance for everybody who can't see us. We're we're grabbing the ideas.
1: (laughs) We're grabbing the idea dance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And yeah. And, you know, who's who's going to hold that idea and hold it for like five years. And then maybe it doesn't have, it never comes to fruition, but it's like this thing wants to be birthed and who is going to be the person that's going to, it's going to birth through. And it sounds like you have really been a person to birth these things and,
2: and to follow your heart. (laughs) Some of them. Yeah. Some for sure. For sure. um, uh, uh, a uh, a very good friend of mine the other day, um, a few a few days ago w- was saying that she was she was uh, she she had, uh, I was having a, a sleepless night and she texted me and she was just saying that you know she had a a lot of uh, questions and 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 she was referring to stuff that I that I wasn't privy to necessarily just stuff going on in her life that that I that I don't necessarily know about but uh, but. You know, but, I, but everyone can relate to the idea, you know, to, can relate to nights when you're, when you're up, you know, uh, with thoughts, circular thoughts going through your head and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, one of those things. And, and she was saying how she was questioning a lot of, 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 of stuff that was happening in her life. And I, I, I forget how we got to this, but I responded and I said, you know, where I, I was like, not, it's not, you know, I don't always question, question things. I, I, instead, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of believe in, you know, I, I don't question the things of like, I, I should write, or I should do this, or I, those, the, or, or when it comes to, when it comes to, to love, for instance, I don't necessarily question, uh, I can question parameters and I can question other things, but I don't, I don't question stuff that comes to my heart, you know? And so I was like, you know, maybe the heart needs to ask the mind questions, but the, but it shouldn't be the mind. When, when the questions come to the mind with matters of the heart, then maybe maybe it's going the, the wrong way. You know, <laughs> the heart the heart can question the mind, you know, mm-hmm. anytime. But mm-hmm. uh, but for me, I, I'm 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 uh, I'm all heart. You know, I I I feel like that's where that's where the best ideas originate. That's where uh, when I when I'm when I'm acting from here instead of here, I I don't think I've I've made mistakes and and, and things like that. But it, but never even those were were authentic. You know, even the mistakes, when they're authentic mistakes, that's great. You know, as long as nobody gets hurt, that's mm-hmm. good, you know.
0: Do you have ways that yeah. you, like, remain heart-centered? Because that's not easy to do. And I'm sure there are people out there that are thinking, how do I do that? How do I, you know, like, lead from my heart? Especially in a world that can feel really cruel.
2: I think the world is really cruel. It can be, for sure. Um, yeah, I think... uh I haven't really thought of, of, about that, but I'll, I'll tell you what instantly comes to my mind, and and with a little bit of self-deprecation here, it's that uh, I don't think that I had. Um, I I think that it it's from either the sacrifice of or because I haven't had a uh, like we were saying earlier like a five year plan or a ten year plan I haven't had this idea of success and and I never. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of my friends, and this is something I do question actually uh, about myself, and about that I that I do do it all wrong, and, and would I do things differently? And that's that, like, you know, I I was never concerned about the future. I was never concerned about about security. I was never concerned about you know wanting to have uh, you know uh, a, a two car garage with two point three kids and and you know a picket fence. I was I was never concerned about those things, despite. My parents, you know, trying to get me to, what are you going to, what are you going to get a real job? And, 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 you know, like you need to get good grades because you need to do that. And, and mm-hmm. that all, I just always felt like, well, everything works out. And, and that's, I, I know, I know that's not the case, but I don't know it firsthand because it, it you know, not everything has worked out for sure. And, and there's a lot of things that I'm missing out on. And there's a lot of things that, you know, like I don't have the job security, uh, that, that a lot of my friends do. Um, and I don't have the families that a lot of my friends do. I don't have a family. I, you know, I, I don't have a wife. I don't have a kids. Uh, and, 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 and that's, a uh, a, a lot of that stuff is just because I, I didn't have a I I never had a better homes and garden view of, of, of a path for life. So even though I want all those things. I want them to, be, to come when they like i am not focused on on them and thinking I have to do a, b, and C in order to get to d you mm-hmm. know um and uh I, a lot of my friends uh I've noticed now looking back now that we are where we are in our lives uh you know I'm in my mid forties and and looking back uh, on on things now with 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 the uh given the the 2020 that we have of of being able to look back not only a year or two, but now a decade or two uh a lot of my friends their trajectory very early on was get a job that makes a lot of money uh and from there then they can get all the things that they want you know um and I always just felt that like you know i i'm money's never motivated me uh that stuff has never really motivated me it's not that I don't want any of that stuff it's that what was most important to me was dancing to the song that was playing, and then talking about it, and then listening <laughs> to it again. And and you know, in every da- dancing to the to the music that that is being played at the moment, uh, you know, has always been has always been my my thing. And uh, not to say you can't look ahead, of course you have to look ahead and and stuff like that. But um, but it, what's most important to me has always been uh, it's almost a hedonistic you know viewpoint but it it's just it's always been focused on on you know um on dancing through life mm-hmm. you know yeah, I, I don't i don't necessarily recommend that <laughs> it's worked out for me but i don't necessarily <laughs> recommend, you know it, it's uh you know i mean i, I guess every i guess I guess every path has that though, right? Like every every path you, do, there could be, you know, a a friend of mine who I was thinking about consciously in my head while I was just talking about the trajectory. I remember he, you know, studied really hard in school, so he could be, uh, he wanted to go into sports medicine uh, and he's done that. And he said, and I remember him saying this because I remember me distancing myself from it when we were 14 years old, and him saying in, in, in the following way, he said that he wanted to go to sports medicine so that he could get a beautiful wife with, with, uh, at a, a big house and sports cars.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, and he was going to do that because of money. Money was going to buy all of that. And I just remember thinking, that's so weird, man. <laughs> that's not like this at all, you know? um and and here he has what what what, you know here he has what he 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 was after and Mm -hmm. so uh to him you know i'm sure that i've lived a very perilous and rocky road so you know so who knows yeah we got way off subject
1: (laughs) Uh, no i don't think we have at all because it's like you know you're completely living in the present moment and listening to the messages that are coming through you and those ideas and saying, yes, and that's really what it's all about. And so maybe those people got messages of like, I need to get a job to make all the money to have this. And maybe that that's the way that their path went. But no path is better than another. As long as you're feeling really happy, then that's like really all that matters. And you feel like you're there's love all around you. Like that's really it.
2: A hundred percent. And it goes back to something I, I, you know, a recurring thought um, or question rather is, you know, is it better to, is it, you know, do you work to live or do you live to, to, I mean, I don't think anyone lives to work unless you love your work. Like I I work long hours, but I I very rarely do I think of anything I do as work, you know? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe the stuff I do for Osiris <laughs> <right, right? laughs> now undermine when there's a deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, I. Uh, but but th- there's it's that question of you know my my friend is the sports medicine guy like uh, you know uh, yeah he he it looks from the outside it looks like he has, he has a wonderful life and he, he set out what he what he told me he was gonna do when he was fourteen. So I don't think there's there's wrong paths. I, I but I do think that there are other situations when people aren't listening uh and and that can create you know i i think that when you say that all these paths are are right i think yeah of course every path is right um but uh, except for the ones that are that are going against what what their own their own path actually is and but how do you know that and who's to who has the authority to say that that's you know that that's where it really gets into into questions. because just who's to say? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and so- Maybe
0: yeah. they need to go down that path to find out what the right path is. And yeah, who knows?
2: And, and maybe maybe there are maybe there really are no wrong paths because even you know uh, even people that do horrible horrible things and, and that have the uh, uh, crimes and things like that. Who's to say that's not their path? You know, mm-hmm. like it, it, it it's hard for us to wrap our heads around that uh and if they're a danger to society then that needs to be addressed and dealt with you know uh, and and uh and handled you know but that being said who's to say that their path is wrong for them maybe that you know i i i don't i don't i don't have you know i don't know i just, I, don't, yeah. uh, I i you know it, it we're getting into some real you know philosophical questions but but mm-hmm. i you know i, I don't it, uh, what's you know it's it, uh, philosophical questions but it's the the basics it's like right and wrong and morality and stuff like that it's all stuff that we we each have to determine for ourselves and 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 in doing so i think that everyone ends up being true to themselves mm-hmm.
1: yeah i one i we only have a couple minutes left but i have a question of when you are like getting these thoughts and like hearing the ideas that are coming through i know people can either hear their intuition or the inner wisdom or whatever it is coming through or they can feel it or they can see it
3: which one do you typically get your messages from
2: there's t- two ways uh for, for i i think for what we're talking about I, it's a feeling right and and, and it's it's a feeling or, or a thought but not necessarily put into words like i knew that i was gonna write i knew that i was going to just the certain things I just knew, and I and I I just knew them, and then and then time proved that them to be correct. Uh, with writing, uh, and we haven't talked about the writing process or anything like that. But with writing, it's it's a whole different thing that I've been uh, I I've been I've been working on on a book on a novel again, and I, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot uh, the past few months. Almost every day, I've been thinking about, and that's that when I when I'm writing my best stuff. The words it, it, I'm not writing. It, it comes to me and and I can hear them as words. And I'll be walking down a sidewalk and and I'll and I'll have to take out my iPhone to jot it down because I, I know that if I don't, that it's not I'm not gonna get it right later. you know, and i'll rem- I'll be able to remember the sentence, but then I won't rem- be able to, to uh, it happens in the sh- yesterday in the shower. i I turned on the shower, i I jumped in the shower, and the second that I got wet, I immediately got out of the shower, <laughs> went over to my phone, and I had to start typing because I, I all of a sudden I had a whole paragraph in my head c- come to me and and it it literally it was, it was taking dictation, and when I got out of the shower i thought can i can I just do this later But I also <laughs> knew that if I did, I wouldn't get it right I remember like the first sentence, but then after that there i would be forcing it and and when I'm doing that my my uh, the writings i you know it's no good when I'm writing it's only good when it's only good when it's being when it's being written you know mm-hmm. so that's uh, so
0: definitely speaking to the creative process.
2: Yeah, and and that that is something I wish I had a better handle on because I I do in the past six months I've done a lot of ex- not exercises but a lot of awareness of trying to make sure trying to encourage that voice to to speak up and trying to hear it when it does. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, when I'm in a new place, I hear that a lot. I, a new, in a new city, when I, uh, you know, a new environment a new travel, I, I hear mm-hmm. that voice a lot more also first thing in the morning or, or else late at night, you know, um, like before, before in the morning, if I wake up and I can, if I can start typing something before I've done anything, before I've gotten coffee, anything that stuff is good. And also late at night, you know, because that, I think those are the times. When we're and traveling are the times when we're most out of our conscious thoughts, you know, or out of our we're 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 not, you know, in the morning you wake up you're a clean slate,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and out of our habitual patterns where it's like we're just doing the things that we do we're actually open to whatever
2: to receive. Right. The middle of the day I'm I, I have you know convoluted thoughts of I I got you know it's like all the stuff from what's happening in, in the in the train. To to what's happening, you know, with coronavirus, to what's happening to our, our our you know our democracy being dismantled, and and all these heavy heavy things that mm-hmm. that you know fill your mind up with with and, and, uh, and that should be that we need to be paying attention to. We should probably be paying more attention to, but but it's not good for for being able to hear the you know the stuff that gurgles underneath the surface. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, we have just a couple of minutes left. So is there any last words that you want to impart on our audience before you head out?
2: Think for yourselves.
3: (laughs) Don't listen (laughs) to anything
2: I say, think for yourselves, but also think think for yourselves by listening to your heart. Uh, That's, you know, that that's really, I, you know, I I can put it like this. uh, I went back to the, my boarding school, my prep school that I, I never graduated from because uh, they didn't invite me back for my senior year and I went straight into college.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and then they invited me back to do a leadership conference. <laughs> and, and, I, and I saw some of the teachers that definitely did not like me when I was, when I was a kid going there. And I, you know, suddenly on the pulpit in front of all these kids, I relayed a story. I said, listen, I said, follow your heart and don't listen to you. Respect your teachers, mm-hmm. but you don't need to listen to them. They're not always right. Respect them, though. You know, I said, it's I important to say that because I'm not saying don't respect them, but just know that your teachers aren't always going to be right. Mm-hmm. And then the example I gave was I, I said, you know, I uh, was reading, a, uh, a, I got in trouble in, in Latin class for reading a relics magazine because I was reading about the Grateful Dead and classes i started and my teacher came over and picked up the magazine and showed it to the whole class. And he said something snarky, like, you know, Mr. Eisen, I'm, I'm glad to see that you can read, but, you know, it would behoove you to read stuff that matters. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I remember the page he held up, there's a steal your face. And I did slides for the kids. And I said, here's the steal your face from the Relics magazine. Here's the steal your face that had my name on it. That was bad stage at fairly well which were the Grateful Dead's reunion concerts in front of 70,000 people that says Benji's office. And I was like, <laughs> yes. you know, I, like, I like, there's a direct line from me sitting in that class, reading that magazine to the what is arguably the highest point of my, entire, of my career, you know, thus far. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and that was a direct line. And if I had listened to that teacher, that, that may not have happened.
3: Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Goosebump central again over here. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. There's so many jewels of wisdom that happened within this interview. And we're so grateful that you took the time to talk with us and, and share a little bit about the inner workings of the most interesting man in the music industry, which I still stand by my
2: word that it's true. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. This is, this has been great. Uh, it's been an honor.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Benji. We YouTuber really appreciate and- it
2: you to radiate joy and <laughs> and uh, positivity and uh I, I i need both of you i need more of both of <laughs> you in my life and, and definitely your, your messages you, resonates loud and clear with me the mm. so, group well, therapy um, thank you
1: wonderful all right everybody we'll be right back
0: and we are back Well, that was so inspiring.
1: I know. There were so many golden nuggets in there. And like, if you are someone that wants to like manifest an amazing life, I feel like you just have to follow the Ben Benji school of heart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the school of heart. I loved I loved that. And that was like really something that was coming through to me. Just by what he was saying. And then he was able to articulate that, that, oh, actually this, I'm following my heart with all of these things. And when he tried to just make it true in his head, it didn't, it didn't actually work.
3: Yeah.
1: Cause I mean, when we first talked to him, we asked what's exciting him and he's like, I want to talk about the power of thought. But like you said, throughout the episode, Mm -hmm. he started to realize, actually, it's not about the thought at all. It's about the power of the heart. And following mm-hmm. that, yeah. which is like what makes everything come true and happen.
0: That's right. And it just so happens to be coming through in like thoughts. Yeah. Even though it's it's really driven by the heart. And I like how you asked him, like, how do you hear that inner guidance? Because there are multiple ways. And I know you talked about this in another episode too, about how you realize that like you... You hear things and what way you feel them
3: or? Yeah, no.
1: So I hear actual voices. So I have like my voices in my head that I hear and then other people Mm -hmm. feel things. It's just like, so I think he said that that's for him. He has a feeling and he just knows that this is the right thing to do. Um, so That's Mm -hmm. one way. And the other way is people see images and can actually like Mm -hmm. see the thing and they're like, okay, yes, this is a thing I'm supposed to do. So there's not one. And some people are a combination of all of them. Maybe you have two of them. Mm -hmm. And it's just noticing what the way that messages come through to you and then really like honing that and like knowing that it's real. Yeah, Because we've been told so often to shut that down. You're crazy, like whatever. But it's not true that it's Mm -hmm. real and it's important to listen to.
0: That's right. Yeah, because once you can cultivate a relationship with that, then it just comes through so much stronger. Yeah.
1: Yeah, at first, I mean, if you've never done this, you may not be able to hear it at all. Or it might just be like a tiny, tiny whisper. But if you keep on practicing, that whisperer will start to become like a regular sounding voice, which will then, you know, when I don't listen, my voices get really loud and like yell at me in a (laughs) strong New Jersey accent. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'll listen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or you make, you you choose something different and you learn from that experience. And it's like, oh, right. I should have listened to that voice. I
1: know, my voices are always freaking right. It's so annoying. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah i actually
1: think that i'm i'm a person that
0: does all three yeah like i can hear voices i also very strongly have feelings and i can visualize things too
1: yeah amazing um yeah well one thing that we were just talking about that um I really loved when it was coming to manifesting is that when Benji first started, he was just how he shared how he was writing about fish shows and just kind of what happened as like a history, the history of fish shows and was writing it Mm -hmm. for all these nerds. And then all of a sudden someone offered to pay him and he was like, oh, that's like a thing that you can get paid for. Whoa. And that was kind of the catalyst because he didn't even know that was something to believe in.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was just kind of following his heart and following his passion and doing what his voices were telling him to do or his feelings were telling him to do. But yeah, it's a very important part of manifestation. And so for the...
2: Did you know?
0: I thought I would lay out this framework that actually comes from the work of Lacey Phillips. So I did not develop this, but I I know it to be true. And I've been studying her work for the last six months or so now. And so she has a company called To Be Magnetic. And she has a podcast as well. It's called Expanded. But she really describes that there's like three things that need to be in play for a person to be able to manifest anything that they want. And the first one is to be what she calls Expanded. And that just means that you have to be able to believe it to be true. So a lot of times we have to see it to believe it. If we haven't seen it happen to people that we know or in our lifetime, it's difficult for us to believe that it's actually going to be true. So like for Benji, he hadn't seen somebody get paid (laughs) to write, you know, reviews of shows. So he didn't actually realize that that was a thing that he could do. And it just kind of came to him. and But once he got that first paycheck of like $75 or $80, I think he said, then he knew, oh my gosh, this is something that I could actually make some money doing. And now he's made a whole career of writing about music. So the first part is to be expanded. The second part is to be unblocked. And this was actually the piece that I was missing in my manifestations because I've been able to manifest for my whole life. But the but there were some things that i just could not will to happen no matter how hard i believed and no matter how much action i took towards them and it was because i was not unblocked enough and so the unblocking piece is actually comes down to like our our unconscious beliefs about ourselves and this is where this is where we really get to dig in and do the work this this is where manifestation work can get a little bit Dirty. <laughs> and I mean dirty in the way that you gotta dig through the trenches and you gotta look in the dark to really see like, you know, what what beliefs did I grow up with and what am I holding really in myself that might be holding me back from the life that I wanna live. And that's work that you could do through Lacey or you could do with a therapist. Uh, there are a lot of different ways to work with, you know, your belief systems to be able to unblock yourself. But that piece also needs to be done. And then the third piece is aligned action. So if you are taking aligned action towards your goal, you are unblocked enough and you are expanded enough, you can have it, whatever it is that you want.
1: Wonderful, and so we are going to talk now about how to put that into play for yourself for my section.
2: Daily Jam.
1: Okay, so the first thing you're going to do is on a piece of paper, write down something that you want to manifest in your life, but it has to be something that you believe that you can do. So you're gonna write that down. Then under that, you're going to write all of the thoughts and blocks and things that could be coming up that can keep you from having this manifest itself into your reality. And then next to it, if you can, if you can write a counter thought that maybe is the opposite of that, that you can kind of turn into a mantra for yourself so you start to believe that that would be a really good thing to do. Also, if you are working with a therapist or you're working with someone, you're you will have a very clear idea on what it is that your blocks are that are keeping you from living your most amazing life. And then mm-hmm. the third thing is to write down one thing that you can do this week To bring that thing that you want into reality by taking aligned action. And we would love to see what it is that you want to manifest and the action step that you're going to take this week. And you can share that in the Groove Therapy Podcast Community Facebook group. And um, we would love to, to cheer you on and support you as you take steps every day to bring whatever this is into your reality so you can live your dream life like Benji is.
0: Yeah. Yay. We would love to see that. And it could be as simple as like, I want to find this pair of vintage jeans and this size and this color for this price. Yes. So, you know, it doesn't have to be anything super crazy big. It could just be like whatever it is that your heart desires. Yeah.
1: And whatever it is that you believe can come true. So it might if you've never done this before and you're you have a belief that like nothing that you put out there can come true, then you might need to pick a really like simple, small thing. So you start to believe it, just like when Benji Mm -hmm. was writing and all of a sudden he got offered to write and he's like, oh, you can get paid to write. Cool. And then now he's like manifesting writing Bill Kreitzman's book with him. But that didn't he wouldn't have believed that like back in the day when he was just (laughs) reviewing fish shows, I don't think.
0: No, no, you have to have these like actually th- what Lacey calls them is like bridge expanders or like bridge jobs or bridge opportunities, right? So they're they might not be like where you want to end up, but they're helping you to get there because you you have to believe it. That's such a huge part of bringing anything into your life, yeah, believing it. And also feeling like you deserve it. Yeah,
1: because like, I mean, there's some people that are like, you can do anything you want. And I'm like, no, you can't. I want to fly with my arms, but like, that's just not going to (laughs) happen. Or like, it'd be really cool if I could like play for the NFL, but like not going to (laughs) happen. Like I'm a small Uh woman. So, and I'm like, not that, I mean, I'm kind of strong, but I'm definitely not NFL strong. (laughs) Yeah. So like, that is something that can't happen. So you also have to be realistic with yourself and like, it can be, Mm -hmm. it can be really big, but it has to also be something that is like physically and mentally possible for you.
0: That's right. Cause you fully have to believe it Yep, and let go of the, how it's going to happen, let go of the, when it's going to happen and just hold on to the fact that it is going to happen. Yeah.
1: While taking aligned action all at the same time.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. And even Benji with the, like managing, you know, I loved how he was talking about that, how like he had this scare, like that. You know, his life might end soon and he was like, This is the thing that I want to do before I go. And then I think he said like two weeks later he was managing a band. Yeah.
1: Just just like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So cool. So cool. Oh, and P.S. The answer to the question oh, yeah. that we posted in the intro is Bon Jovi' Slippery When Wet tour. So you should know this by now, but maybe you missed that part.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm so jealous that that was not my first concert. That mine was New Kids on the Block and Tiffany, but <laughs> that was also an yeah. incredible show.
0: I miss New Kids on the Block. I did, however, see Millie Vanilli. Oh. <laughs> which (laughs) when their whole scandal came out which like who knows how many other bands were doing the same thing they're just the ones that got oh
1: yeah everyone does that today well i guess it's different because it's their actual voices right and it was not (laughs) their actual voices
0: but yeah 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 um yeah. Funny story about the, my Bon Jovi experience. So my dad owned a record store and he actually got the tickets for free and he had backstage passes for the opening band, which I don't even know who they were because we didn't actually make it for the opening band. Cause my dad was hanging out with his friends and like partying with them. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, we made it to the show like right before, like between the opener and Bon Jovi. Um, but I always wonder what would have happened if I had made it backstage <laughs> at that show. But my dad was probably like, I don't need to be bringing my eight-year-old daughter backstage <laughs> at this concert, which is probably why he hung out with his friends a little bit longer.
1: Yeah. But- he was papaing you in a secret way.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was. But
1: it was fun. Yeah. Cool. Well... We are a part of the Osiris podcast network and you should check out all the other podcasts that are available because there is something for every music fan on the network and you can check it out at Osiris pod. And then also follow us on Instagram at groove therapy podcast. You'll see previews of some things. You could answer lots of questions. Um, it's a really fun, engaged community. So check that out. And as we said before, you can post your daily jam in the Facebook group, Groove Therapy Podcast. And then also, last but not least, we would really appreciate it so much. And we will like go live on Instagram and do a happy dance reading your review, or maybe we'll even read it on the, re- on the air here. So if you go to Apple Pod and you leave a review for us and five stars, if that's what you're feeling, we'll be so grateful because that really helps us get seen by more people and spread the word of health and wellness and overall well-being and live music in a broader sense. And so you would be part of that movement just by simply sharing a review and maybe sharing this podcast with at least one of your friends.
0: Yes, we would so, so, so appreciate that.
1: All right. Well, we hope you have an amazing day and you get out there and you manifest everything that your heart desires. We love you so much.
0: Yes, we do. We'll catch you next time. Bye.